Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There once was a man named Gold Roger who was king of the pirates. He had fame, power, and wealth beyond your wildest dreams. Before they hung him from the gallows, these were the final words he said. Our perspective is yours for the taking, but you'll have to join us first. We left everything we debated at the Yonko table. Ever since, pirates from all over the world set sail for the Grand Line, searching for the Yonko table, the table that will make their dreams come true. Yo! Yeah, yo, yeah, yo. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Yonko Table. I am your host today, Grandmaster Hoop. Uh, Dr. Jace Attorney couldn't be with us today, but that's all right. He's always with us in spirit. He's not here to ask me how my day's been. So I'll just go straight up and tell you my day's been great. I'm running point today. I'm excited. And as always, you know, there's always so much to look forward to on Friday. And here we are. We made it. It's been a long week, but we made it. But without further ado, you know, we are about to get straight into episode three of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But of course, with us, as always, are some supernova guest stars. And with me today, I have Darce. Darce, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm ready. Uh, I saw Winter Soldier and Falcon. Loving it. And uh, can't wait to dive deep into this talk about it all right all right good to hear from you darts and also rose the crafter how you doing rose i am as supernova as a cooler super that's a dbz reference for anybody you know i i, I peeped it but then i never heard that flow before so that's fine yes cooler <laughs> frieza darts you caught that or no no, sorry. That's I okay. wish I did. I wish it was a lot cooler. It's okay. That that's okay. That's okay. Cooler's not even canon, so it's fine. So that comment wasn't even canon either. I guess that's okay. Um, but here we go, gentlemen. Um, we're about to go ahead. Let's just let's just dive right in. Um, how did y'all feel? I mean, Darce and Rose. Uh, you know, we had Ray and Toasty on last week. Uh, I don't know how y'all are feeling about uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Well, where's your stance on this show so far? How are y'all feeling? Are you, you know, you get in like big MCU vibes and you think this is can match up with some of the great films. Where do y'all stand? I um, It's still too early to tell for me. Uh, I'm coming just off of episode three also, by the way. I'm still adjusting. Um, still adjusting to the, to the vibe of it. Um, I don't dislike it at all. And I think they are playing and alluding with it. So I think it is working in the Marvel world right now for me. Um, but it's still it's still too soon for me. It's not like Wanda where at first I was completely like waiting, waiting. But it's still part of me waiting for for something more to happen. So I'm like at an eh, you know. And an eh. <laughs> but like a good, like a good eh. Uh, like I'm yeah, in a good eh. Okay, I got you. I got you. Like for me... 
I think what it was is that WandaVision was just so captivating for me. And I was like, you know, I, I was on that all the time. And I was like, even like doing some digging. I was like rewatching old trailers and all that stuff. Cause I was so hyped for WandaVision. This one, it's not like a eh, cause I'm, I'm pretty invested in it and I, I like it a lot. I think it's more of a, uh, I just have to wait for it to start picking up. And I'm like, okay, now like this. And I think after this episode, things are definitely going to start picking up so i agree i agree i'm I'm excited for it yeah you know with with the six episode run of this show this is the mid-season so here we are this is the the turning point and i do believe in this episode uh we've had some kind of big turning points and we'll definitely get into that um so you know without further ado let's uh go ahead into this and let's break this down so we are we are back with uh this man john walker H- how dare he be the first person to grace us with his presence in episode three um he, again i'm not a fan i don't know and y'all can speak if you're a fan but listen man when this guy comes on you know he's out here i get it he he's taking the role of captain america he's trying to do the job he's trying to be the symbol but here we are he's on this little uh stint him in a battle star and the disrespect he receives from the German man who was housing uh, the Flag Smashers in the last episode. He's like, you know, uh, he spits in his face. And I feel that was uh, that was very invocative of, you know, how the viewers feel the show, the, the yes. non fans of John Walker. And he's like, do you know who I am? Do you know, man? Yeah. No, nobody knows who you are, man, because we don't like you. And I, I, I was with that spit, man. I, w- I, I'm not the one to spit in people's faces, but right, I was, I was there for it. I felt it. I felt that spit spoke for a lot of people. So you know, I think it also was a bit, kind of on like the political side too. You know, there's a deeper dive between it because here we have, you know, this Captain America, America representation, right? And here's a name, Captain America that is supposed to be going out and doing international battles, international stuff. And you have, it, to be honest, it kind of put a perspective for me of like, how does the rest of the world view this America icon? You know, like, so you have these people in Munich that are doing what they think is right, housing people who are trying to make a change in the world, who are bringing medicine to people. And then here comes like the American mentality of here comes military coming in and you know, trying to take over, you know, of course there's going to be a little pushback on it. I'm not one to say like, yeah, spitting in people's face, yeah. that's allowed because that is totally disrespectful. But like, I think it, there was uh, a lot more of a deeper meaning behind that first initial scene. And there was also like a couple of um, interesting things that came behind it because I think there was like a, a commercial type, uh, thing, you know what I mean? The GR, yeah. the GRC, the global... Yeah restoration um th- we talked about it on our last episode they're the committee dedicated to helping the people post blip who came back from the blip right know? but uh yeah um political speaking um the, yeah the grc was supposed to be helping people but the, here they are uh housing or uh hoarding supplies uh from the people that need it that's what the flag smashers are here to do they're here to liberate some of these supplies and get them to the people um but then here we are with this scene, you know, he's busting down this house and kind of puts uh it's like maybe there's a deeper 
uh, motive for the GRC. Maybe they're playing uh, yeah, playing some strings here. Puts into perspective too that like what you may think is right isn't necessarily always like the good guy. You know, like there might be some people in the background that are making decisions that aren't necessarily the right decisions. Kind of reminds me of like Shield and Hydra and like. People in power, you know, have their agendas, you know. Yeah, everybody has agendas, yeah. as Steve likes to say. Yeah. yeah. Rose, um, John Walker? Uh, Not a fan, by no surprise. Um, I think that's the intention of the show. But kind of as you all pointed out, I think it's just reoccurring reminders that John is not, um, not the one to hold that weight and that mantle of, of the shield. And that the people all around globally do not care for the man who is holding the shield. And I think they just kind of reminded that on various levels, various levels, that this is not who should be holding the shield. And I think they subtly and then in your face pretty much show you, especially by the way we learn how John starts to develop in his quest to figure out things and tactics to figure out things, that um, he's in over his head. And <laughs> Um, and nobody believes him. And so it's this side story of him trying to also prove that he is the new symbol um, and can carry it just as well as a previous symbol. So a lot of interesting things that come with that. Yeah, I would say, you know, yeah, with the whole people don't really care. Maybe they never really care for Steve on a global scale. But, you know, with that said, John is definitely more representative of the uh, American government agenda. And I think... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, with living up to Steve, Steve uh, transcended the government agenda. He became more of a, you know, just a, a true American hero representing all ideals of America, not just what the government wanted. So, yeah. And then, of course, as Darce was saying, too, like political agendas, other countries don't want other people knocking on their door, busting them down right. and whatnot. So, yeah, plenty of times people are ready to spit in America's face. So, and John Walker, he gets kind of mad. And I, I, if y'all are familiar with comic book, uh, I, I think that's really what sets him apart. As uh, he's got a little bit of an anger issue. I think he's. Yeah. I think we're heading for a deep end that he's gonna go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we never really saw reactions like that come from Steve. So it's kind of cool to see like how someone under pressure will respond. Because I mean, at the end of the day, he's a human, you know, people have emotions and stuff. But when you're put in that position of power and you're looked up like that, you gotta keep your cool, you know, you can't be, I, I thought for sure he was gonna like punch him through a wall or something like. He looked ready. He yeah, did look he looked ready. ready. Which uh, there are other implications that I think we might have for this character uh, later on in this show. But let's go ahead. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. Oh. Slow down, pirate. What is this? What is this? I'm stopping <laughs> your ship. Oh my god. I know that voice. You pirates think you can just run around and share your takes? Think you can just talk about MCU content and get away with it? Not so fast, I say. It is I, Hooper Lino, the Admiral. <laughs> Everyone, this is this is an ill-fated day. This is Vice Admiral Hooper Lino joining us at the table. Of course, in the world of One Piece, the Vice Admirals are a part of the world government, and they are the antagonists to the whole pirate dominion. So to Yonko and to Supernova alike, 
admirals are not friend they are foe Hooperlino, what brings yeah. you to the table today it is of course your crimes all three of you have committed crimes in this opening segment you guys don't have necessarily bad takes but you guys are kind of beating around the bush you guys are close you guys are talking about this being political you guys are talking about symbols and who this john walker character is well let me tell you john walker isn't a bad captain america john walker is the perfect captain america because mm. he is america busting mm. down doors people spitting at you see you're right steve rogers he was the ideal he was what americans strive to be but who has america been these last couple years you know you speak about like um being spit on i thought that was super invocative of one george bush having a shoe thrown at him which he ducked in that famous viral video um uh. us going into the middle east in the 2000s and pretty much up until now i still think we're trying to leave um that's very much who America has been for a long time, just meddling in people's businesses, uh, locking people up. You know, John Walker is the epitome of, dare I say, white privilege. He got this, and now he's he's not just who Steve Rogers was. He is what it means to be American right now. Mm. Wow, that was deep. That is pretty solid, Borsalino. Borsalino. <laughs> <laughs> pretty solid yeah yeah i like the take i i i didn't think you know as far as yes john walker is very much entitled america you know for the last you know decade or so has been quite entitled as well um so that's a very good point Hooper, and you know? guess what i'm not leaving i'm staying here the whole time oh i'm gonna make sure yeah i'm not going anywhere said, look i'm gonna make me, sure I'm the captain now I'm going to make sure your takes are on point, and when it's time for me to butt in, I'll have to butt in. So, All you right. guys are – I'm on this ship, and I'm not leaving until I say so. I'm not saying – I'll say this, you know. Our our goals may not align, but we have enough respect for our abilities and power to give each other room at the table. So, all right, Hooperlino, stay if you'd like interject if you need we're gonna keep on going picking up off of episode two here we are they're ready to get our man zemo bringing zemo back into the fold why is he and our man why is he our, i'm a, i'm i'm a zemo stan i'm here for zemo i am too i'm i'm liking this zemo you know part of the super spy mission type stuff yes he's he's like yeah. um in those buddy cop movies, you know, he's like that entity. It's like, oh, we need him to get to the next level. But Zemo, man, he's got he's got to have ulterior motives. You oh, don't yeah. you don't you don't come off of breaking up the Avengers for destroying your country just to go pair up with two buddies, one being an Avenger and you know the other being the best friends of the former leader of the Avengers. Nah, man, Zemo's well, out for blood. I mean, Winter Soldier was a uh... Well, what's it called a super soldier and he was trying to expel the super soldier program so yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. an avenger and a super soldier team up to get him well you know like <laughs> those aren't really your best friends right there not at all he's probably feeling very jaded that as he stated you know he's like y'all must be desperate 
Y'all yeah. must be desperate coming to me. Um, but you know, Zemo, man, he's he he, he hasn't missed a beat. He's over here, you know. He <laughs> he opens with the words. I know. I knew he was gonna do that, but him opening with that, I was like, oh, he's flaunting it right now. He is. He is, and I'm I'm I feel bad for Bucky. You know, he's over here trying to forsake that pass and. This man is over here like, you know, uh, I don't I don't know the words he said, but, you know, I'm ready for him to be like mission report. Yeah, right. December 16th. <laughs> but, uh, man, I'm, I'm here for Zemo. Uh, Rose, yeah, I, what do you think? Yeah, Rose. Zemo, you team Zemo? I, it's hard to say team Zemo, but um, I'm enjoying the, the inclusion of Zemo. I think it's fine. I think it's fine, and it's, it's, it's fun for the story. And we'll dive into how Zemo's acting um, and, and how that works. But yeah, it's, it. I, I needed something to pick it up a little bit. So let's keep it moving. I agree. I will, it definitely was a pace picker upper. I, I will say Zemo makes us look over our shoulders for Sam and Buck. Like I'm watching every move of his and I, I can't necessarily just trust him right away, but I'm here for his inclusion. Yeah, it does give a little extra edge to the story now. It adds this new element of will he, won't he. Um, but I, I think it's worth mentioning. I wrote this down when they said it, you know. Uh, Sam mentions how how are we going to bust out Zemo, you know. People are going to be coming for us. And he, Sam goes, you think Wakanda forgot about Zemo? Wakanda Ooh. doesn't. And again, I love it when yes. they tie it into the bigger picture, the bigger MCU universe. Just mentioning, he says King T'Chaka by name. Right. And, you know, that's yes. not a name we hear often outside of, of you know, Black Panther. Yeah. So, you know, ref and again, this show feels like a direct follow up to the Winter Soldier film and Civil War. Now, this one, this episode feels like a direct fallout from Civil War. And I like that a lot. And there was also a mention of the Sokovia Accords as well. Right. Yes. And, you know, all these implications of them, you know, having broken those laws and Bucky's like, you went against the accords for me. Uh, let's do this for Zemo and, you know, taking down these super soldiers, man. He's got the intel. We got to use them. And, you know, I don't think it was easy for him to go over to Zemo. I mean, I mean, not only the fact that there's like kind of that fear of Zemo being able to control him, but like he's right now trying to make amends for like everything that's going on in his life. And to me, it kind of... Bucky's storyline in this is kind of reminding me of someone who went into like rehab and then having to go hang out with like some of their friends and like some of the situations that you put yourself in it's like it can get dangerous you know and so he has to have that mental dexterity to say like no like and then even Zemo saying those words like you know like he's like there and like he is trying to keep his cool because he's like referring back to everything that he was you know learning everything that he went through therapy for like and he was just keeping his cool and, and Zemo was like I just wanted to see if you'd flinch you know like that type of stuff so like I you got to give it up to my boy Bucky like he's he's doing his best to like keep his cool to not like revert back to his winter soldier self and you know like this is this is really it I love what Marvel is doing because it's taking everything like a lot farther it's going a lot deeper we're here ex exploring, you know, the political parts of 
that opening scene and then now even just this part where it comes to like people having to go with similar things in their in their own personal mm -hmm. life having to go back to like certain situations that they know is going to be uncomfortable but they're still doing it because they know they have to it's pretty cool rose any final thoughts on zemo's opening i thought it was solid i mean the breaking out is cliche obviously but okay. um <laughs> It is the, the breakout is cliche. I mean, technically the story is a little cliche. We've seen it before, but I think it I think it makes it fun, and I do like the parallels between it. This is very much a on Bucky and Bucky's story as well um, as getting out Zemo, and so I do like Darth bringing up um, the parallels between between the two, and they're desperate. They're desperate. I mean, even Sam, you can tell Sam's desperate. He's like, whoa, 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 but. He quickly says, "All right, <laughs> we're well, desperate. He, Let's do it." Yeah, you're at that point, out. he walked out. He was like, "All right, so you did it, okay." But I do like the King T'Chaka reference in the Sokovian. All of that quick reference to remind the viewers, okay, yes, we see Zemo, but remember, this man created some havoc not too long ago. <laughs> this is a guy you definitely got to watch for. There's no way that we just pull him out of jail and all the trouble he tried to cause and people he tried to control. There's no way he's just going to easily say, all right, you help me get out. And then him being royalty and that whole thing, that's a whole other thing. But right. Um, yeah, I'm here for it. You know? All right. I got to ask Hooper Lino how you feel about Zemo and his uh, opening number. I, I do admit that breakout was pretty seemed pretty easy. And are you Team Zemo? Great question. As somebody who is, is Team Civil War over Winter Soldier, um, I had forgotten who Zemo was at the end of episode two. Oh when they said gosh. they were when they said they were going to get Zemo, um, I was like, who is this? And only when this episode started and they did the flashback and then they showed Zemo on screen, I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, Zemo from my favorite Captain America movie. Um, so with that said, I don't have any strong Zemo takes. Uh, I'm with you. He seems like he does put things more on edge whenever he's around. You know, we'll get to the scene later when he's kind of like strolling around. Mm -hmm. And I'll save my other thoughts on Zemo for later uh, and kind of in regards to that. So it's all safe for Zemo. Mm. Cool and calculating, Admiral. Uh, all right, so we're on the move. They're on the move. Zemo's got the means. Uh, as Rose pointed out, uh, he's a baron. So he, <laughs> who knew he had a private jet just hanging around? I bet you he probably <laughs> could have used that in us. I'm shooting. He probably did use that in Civil War. What am I saying? Um, we got a nice little scene, a nice little, uh, let's slow it down a bit. Um, we get confirmation Bucky's book that he's uh, writing his amends in. That's Steve's book, and you know we were we were talking about that uh, before on uh, I believe our episode one take of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, drawing the parallels between the books, and I think it's pretty cool that that's Steve's book. <laughs> we get I I found that line hilarious when they talking about the Trouble Man soundtrack, you know and. Again, this is why I like Zemo because he's he's kind of a dick. Like he's got to be a dick. I don't know. Um, he's just like, 
oh the trouble man uh out uh soundtrack it perfectly portrays the african-american experience and sam doesn't want to agree with him but he's like yeah man he's right he's right. <laughs> uh I, I i appreciate that humor like that because again i just feel zemo's just trolling them at this point um but i i feel zemo's best line on that plane though uh as they head to Madripoor, you know uh he says uh, we forget to see the flaws of an icon. You know, we put these people on a pedestal and yeah. we often don't notice their flaws. And that's his whole MO. That's his whole, you know, that's his drive, what makes him move. So I found that line very moving. And I feel that line definitely sets up what he's really trying to do and trying to, you know, take down or whatever. Uh, Y'all uh, can go ahead and Rose, you can, I don't know, t- speak on that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have much. I'm saving it a little bit for when we time some more. I will say his comments <laughs> that it, it's 50, 50 for me. Zemo's comments. Some of it is funny and clever. Um, the soundtrack one was fine. I, I wondered to myself, what, uh, what is going on with some of these lines? Cause once they get off the plane and the whole, and I don't want to lose too much, but Sam is wearing the uh, suit and he's like, why do I look like a pimp? And it's like, <laughs> oh, you're, oh, America is always to see a black man in a, in a nice suit and he's a, and they think he's a pimp. And I'm like, oh, it could work. A little bit of a toss away line, but yeah, we're coming right off of the, um, and I think this is interesting to me because I haven't processed it yet. Um, and this is more related to Sam, but there is, you know, an acknowledgement of Sam as an African-American hero and just African-American person uh, within this series. And whether they're doing it effectively or not is a different discussion, but they are trying more or less to not exclude that from the story. And I'm okay with that. Um, it might not always be executed great. To me, the pimp suit, I could have did without it. <laughs> Line. Um, and then what follows after that, not the best thing to me. You know, I'm like, ah, it's okay. But um, then we'll wait till we get there. But they are acknowledging that and they are trying that. So not to get off Zemo for a second, but. No, no, um, no. Let's stay off of Zemo. Let's stay off of Zemo. Okay. <laughs> I'm off. doubling down there. I'm doubling down there. Okay, I am okay. with Jalen. I am with Jalen. Jalen does not have to walk the plank. Um, he, uh, he gets to live another day. Um, you know, this, this, this TV show does try to acknowledge, as Jalen was saying, you know, Sam's blackness. And like he said, there are times in this show where I am like borderline cringing. I think, uh, there's an, there's a moment in episode one where they're like, oh geez, what do they say? Um, um, Excuse me, Rose the Crafter. When he was in the bank? Um, no, you know, the, the bank scene, there's a lot to unpack there. No, there's a, there's a moment in there's a moment in episode one where I think uh, Sam is arriving back on the docks. And I think they say, like, um, yo, Sam, what's up, man? I'm trying to get like you. It's like, no, I'm trying to get like you. And it's like, that is a very... Black exchange. Black, black exchange. <laughs> But it's it's almost gone so mainstream that it's it's a borderline meme 
You know what I mean? And so it's like a white person could have wrote that. You know what I mean? It doesn't actually feel authentically black, even though it's very much rooted in blackness. And so there are times where I almost feel like, are they checking a box here? Are they actually displaying blackness well? Um, or are they like almost pandering? But like Rosa Crafter was saying, I appreciate the effort. So I will, I will applaud them for that. Cause like in a lot of these movies, it never comes up. It's never acknowledged. They're just the, you know, black best friend. <laughs> Ooh, the black best friend. That is that is definitely a point of interest of Marvel. And I want to say, wait, I want to say, Admirable, at first I was going to challenge you for calling out my government name. <laughs> then you doubled down and welcome. <laughs> you can stay on board. I wasn't leaving anyway, so <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. All right. And again, I thought Admirals put uh, pirates in jail, not uh, make them walk the plank. But that's fine. That's fine. We digress. <laughs> uh, let's hold off on the flag smashers. I think we can talk about them towards the end of this episode as a whole. But Madripoor, Madripoor, here we are in Madripoor. And as uh, Rose said, uh, we get Sam and uh, the smiling tiger pimps. Oh my I, gosh. I, I, I will say this to Rose and uh, Hooperlino. There are, uh, if Snap Wilson, uh, look it up, comics, Sam had a criminal past. Uh, Darcy, I don't know if you know about this either. Uh, he did have a criminal past, and I think they're trying to pay allusion to that. But with that said, you know, when you're going to uh, pull from the comics, you got to take in account when these comics were made. So he did have like a pimp-esque look to him. So I think that's what they were uh, uh, doing a callback towards. However, you know, that's a dated, that's a dated look, clearly, you know. Uh, but here we are, Madripoor. Uh, Darce, I like how you said, you know, Sam, I'm not sorry, Bucky is battling uh, this kind of, you know, like a drug addict being, you know, you know, given a handout. And I, Zemo, I think, is with you on this, too. I know y'all don't want to talk about Zemo, but he makes him dress up as the Winter Soldier. And yes. honestly, I think this was a really great scene. Uh, I even uh, noticed that they played the Winter Soldier theme music from uh, mm. the Winter Soldier film, that little eerie like music when he was on the freeway fighting Steve. I thought that scene was great and it really did establish, you know, Bucky still got it. A one, the Winter Soldier was uh, internationally known and threat to many countries. And uh, again, he's just battling this temptation, I guess, to maybe go back. Maybe he does get a thrill out of it. Zemo said earlier in the episode, there is something still in you, I bet. And here we are. Uh, I thought it was a great little action piece, a great little set up this uh, criminal underground. I really like Madripoor. Dars, uh Yeah, so I actually really did like Madripoor too. It's it's really cool that they were saying like this is like a little pirate island. And I'm over here like thinking of Pirates of the Caribbean where it's, you know, people walking around, stumbling out of bars, you know, drunk, you know, whatever. But they like, they zhuzhed it up to make it like this really cool kind of like high tech city. 
Kind of reminds me of um, the opening scene of, or a, a scene in Endgame when Hawkeye is running around and, and getting people um, for a bounty. Um, it kind of made me think that that was Madripoor. Um, Madripoor seems to be like this really cool um, tech pirate type location and with all their neon lights and stuff. So I, I really did like seeing it. I'm not gonna lie, I Googled to see if I can go visit Madripoor. It's not a real place, unfortunately, but- oh, um, it's not It's not a real place, no. Yeah, but it's okay. Um, it's, it was pretty cool. Um, I think mainly the reason why I Googled it, and we'll, we'll circle back to it, but is because right before that scene, we had the Flag Smashers that were in a location, and I could have swore it said Latveria. And ah. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're in Latveria, but it was no. Latveria, the, the actual real place. So, um, but yeah, Madripoor is pretty cool. I liked how, you know, they were kind of walking by. I did want to chime in a little bit with um, Zemo's comment. I think what they were trying to do, or the producers were trying to do, is make Zemo seem like he is a likable character because, you know, he's doing all these things to be likable to the audience. So that means I think there's going to be a twist coming up pretty soon. Um, and going back also to Winter Soldier, I remember Grandmaster that we were talking about how Winter Soldier was one of your favorite movies because it was like that spy, you know, it was a spy movie with a bit of superhero. And in a way, that's what I feel like I'm watching, you know, the Falcon Winter Soldier. It's like a spy TV show with a couple hints of superhero, kind of like them throwing in names like King T'Chaka and uh, Captain America's book and um, all those other like little smaller references. So I mean, we didn't really even get cool. Sam's wings this episode. We saw no. no wings, no wings, and it was it was cool to see you know the spy element of it in this episode, and that's where I really got that spy element it was from this episode. And so them going into Magic Four, them going undercover. Um, <laughs> Sam taking that gross shot of whatever that thing was from like the eel intestines. Oh yeah. Was oh, um, you a snake or something? Yeah, it was like I thought it was like the bladder of a snake or something. I'm like, nope, hard pass. And you can see in Sam's face, I could have swore that because Sam didn't open his mouth ever since he took that shot, so I thought he was just holding it and it was about to spit it out. But <laughs> it was funny. it was kind of fun to to see them all go into like that spy mode and um talk to that main person now i can't remember the person selby i think selby was selby yeah selby so do we have any information on selby was that a character that was in the past comic books uh not to my knowledge rose uh any not to my knowledge either um, i mean they, they all... who took over this ship hooplini <laughs> hooper lino um no, I have no no knowledge on that person. But I will double down on something Darce was saying. Um, he spoke about Zemo being likable. And I do want to applaud you know, the creators of this show and the writers of this show for making these quote-unquote antagonists, I won't say villains, you know, likable characters. I went hard on John Walker early on. But as I mentioned, as we mentioned, Marvel giving characters, main characters – black best friends they they did it twice with john walker here they gave him a black best friend and a black girlfriend um they made him nervous in kind of his opening scene you almost could like you can if you're if you have a little bit of empathy in your heart for somebody who isn't sam you can kind of feel for him 
in kind of that opening scene and like his fear of like becoming the next Captain America. Still don't necessarily like him, but I can empathize him with him for a little bit. And so I appreciate the writers of the show, you know, not just making these antagonists just one dimensional. You could have done it easily with Zemo. You could have done it. It would have been, it would have been, it would have been a ball on a tee for John Walker. I mean, he, he's already so hateable, just like his face and everything and everything he represents. Um, but they still were able, they still rolled the dice and said like, hey, we know you don't want him to be Captain America, but we're going to make him likable at the same time. So I do applaud them for that. Yeah, I can double down on John Walker. It, it, yeah, not a fan, but I do understand the story behind him. The glimpses that they gave, the the way they brought him out kind of deceived us. We knew it wasn't going to be a great thing, but, you know, him just being in the locker room, and I have to figure off real quick, but I do want to emphasize him just being in the locker room. Like, you know, I have to take on this mantle, and I didn't know the media was going to be the part of it. Like, this is not the part that I do. Um it's it's very human and i think that's part of what they're trying to tell as well um i agree is very human. yeah i will say this with zemo and feeling empathy for him we have to remember this man's drive was the fact that a city was dropped on his family okay he yep. lost his wife his kids any ounce of family he ever had, he lost because of, I would like to say, Tony Stark's fault. Eh, debatable, fine, whatever. But yes, the aftermath of Ultron. So Zemo, at the heart of it all, came from a good place and was just driven to a point of, well, given Civil War, the film, a point of no return. They are giving us shades of maybe there is a redemptive side to him. Uh, but with that said, um, we'll get into that later scene later, but let's keep going with Madripoor. We're also given another great character, uh, their return. And again, another Civil War reference. We have mm. Agent 13, Sharon Carter, the Carter. niece of Peggy. And here she is back on the scene. She's been out in Madripoor the whole time. And... Uh, it's pretty cool to see her again. Um, yeah, I agree. It was really cool to see Sharon Carter. Likewise. And you know, uh, and she's she's jaded. She feels some type of way. Oh yeah. Uh, rightfully so. Rightfully so. You know, was she like, blipped? Do we know? They okay. So that's one thing I like that this show does. And like Wandavision, they mentioned who was blipped, who wasn't blipped. They did not mention if she was blipped. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say she wasn't blipped because it looks like she made a good little living in yes. Magic Four. Yeah, true. Yeah, you know, if she was blipped, that means she was probably only on the run for, um, I think it's like three years, um, since Civil so. War. By the time Thanos snaps everybody away, um, but yeah, she made. She looks like she's running things. She's like, oh, I gotta host clients, okay. Uh, not to mention, uh. I can get you the name of the guy who's probably uh, making these super soldier serums. That's some deep, heavy intel right there. Yeah, so that means she's well-connected in Madripoor. Very much well-connected. Um, and shoot, she came through. Yeah. Um, but if I, you, you know... bring up something, though, really quick with Sharon Carter. Mm -hmm. that she would, When she was talking about, like, 
I wasn't even able to like go home. Like I haven't spoken to my father in, you know, X amount of years. And you know, Marvel doesn't really like play around when it comes to like alluding to characters that aren't on screen. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious like who her dad is, you know, like, I mean, it was kind of weird also to realize that <laughs> her, she kissed Steve Rogers in one of the movies and that's like what her uncle <laughs> at some point, but um, I'm, I'm just really curious to see like who her dad is and, and if he has any connection to anything in the future. Rose. Gonna, if, I, if, I, if I were to make a prediction, her dad is the one that handed John Walker the shield. That's my prediction. Ah. Mm -hmm. Big okay. government guy. But uh, yeah, uh, Rose, did you have any uh, takes on Sharon Carter, Agent 13's return? Um, she's well connected, and it was it was good to see it's good to see another character um pop up. And these are these are they're important characters, and they're not as big, but to the lore of the universe, um, and to bring them back, I think that's the interesting thing about and the potential these shows actually have of uh, not only highlighting characters we don't think too much about, but also bringing in everybody else and other people who have made. They have been gone and kind of catching us up real quick about what they've been doing. I really like the fact that she mentioned that she has, you know, had to survive in Madripoor and then actually kind of rose up and kind of, you know, runs a lot of things or has a lot of intel. Yeah. Um, and what's, and really well cool, what's really cool too, sorry to cut you off, but like, I know that you're, you're big on, you know, the themes of things, right? You're very, you're a big thematic guy. So mm -hmm. it's interesting to see that like, usually when you see superheroes on tv they're always doing the right thing the moral thing they're very forgiving like all right like i know you double cross me but i'm gonna give you a second chance and then here you have a character that is very real that she has like those emotions of like um yeah remember i helped you save him from him and now all three of you are coming to see me how do you think that like i'm obviously gonna be pissed you know like and it kind of shows like the side that like not everybody has to be like super forgiving and open armed like hey come on over like we're gonna you know give you lots of love when you when i see you again it's like there's gonna be that hesitation because she was burned by them and who knows if what she's doing is genuine with them but we'll see in the future episodes admiral do you have anything to add not much to add um, I think I just want more of her. She see, I thought we were gonna get to her sooner. To be honest, I thought this was gonna be like a three kind of character show the entire time. So I was surprised to uh, you know not get to her until like midway through this episode, and then she kind of leave or not go with them um, at the end. You know, it looks like she's just gonna stay in this city, and I'm just like, are we gonna go back to her? So you know, if I were to lock up the writers of this show and the creators of this show and toss them in navy jail um i would i would tell them that they need to bring her back for more so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and say i'm i'm sure we are gonna see her again she's she's listed in the star billing so i imagine one episode is not enough for her either we'll see you know sam get her that pardon or maybe you know maybe um somebody makes a big old move that's gonna take you know all these characters coming together to uh, take down the super soldiers or the flag smashers or, you know, uh, but 
before we... Yeah, it felt like she was in the, the promotion for it. Like She was, heavily. Way more, yeah. So it'd be weird for her to this to be her only spotlight. Yeah, no, I, I can't I can't see them just, uh you know, uh, whining and dining with her just once. Um, nah, and again, at this point, though, they're going to need help because this man, the power broker, we got to talk about him before we uh, move on. Yeah. Uh, Ray was mentioning the power broker. Ray kept uh, in our last podcast, uh, he had a theory about the power broker coming into play. He noticed that in the end credits, they mentioned the power broker. Uh, I guess I guess he, this sounds like he's gonna be the big bad because he's the one that hired this man Nagel mm-hmm. and we, uh, you know let's just all t- let's talk about this now yeah. power broker uh, picks up a returned Nagel says go ahead and finish the super soldier serum and this man you know he doesn't just finish it well I guess he says he made it better it's like, you know, you don't need all the muscles. You just get the serum and, you know, you don't become like a couple of feet taller. You just are, you know, the best peak of human performance. But he makes 20. He made 20. And there are only eight Flag Smashers, which I think one of them died last episode. So I guess I'd leave seven. But there are, what is that? Do the math. 12 out there. 12 more uh, Super Soldier Serums. Correct me, someone, math, wizard, Yes, anybody? yes, 12 yes. left. 12 left. There's 12 left. Um, we don't know where they are. I know the Flag Smashers have them. The Flag Smashers have them. Um, I think we they confirmed that was the power broker texting Carly saying, you know, you have what I want. You have what is mine, and I will kill you for it. But um, I think this was a good point of interest. They point out that he was drawing the traces of the serum from Isaiah, who we met yes. uh, last episode. Uh, Black Cap. Can we call him Black Cap? Is that a good ring to it? Black Cap? I like it. Alright. Yeah. Black Cap. Um, and, I, you know, again, uh, we were talking about it last episode. Um, this is all just, you know, um, again, they they are trying to hammer home. We are giving you what it means to be african-american in this mcu world and you know we were uh, isaiah alluded to a little bit he's like you know the government picked me apart hydra picked me apart and again this is just a big parallel just to the distrust of healthcare as a whole in our nation specifically from the african-american community given you know as i mentioned i said the tuskegee experiments yes. with, um, yeah syphilis and whatnot um I Man. think they, I think they specifically said Nagel. That's the, that's the scientist. Yeah, Nagel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he specifically said the CIA, the CIA, the CIA, yeah. the CIA were the first ones to, um, kind of like get him on board doing this. And then I think he said Hydra came in after the CIA. So it's interesting. Correct. I thought, I think that was an interesting little thing to slide in there. It's almost just like putting America CIA and Hydra on the same playing field, so. Well, technically, you know, they kind of are, given, you know, how apparently there were so many people who were low-key Hydra the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, hell, Hydra. You know, it could have been uh, the pizza store owner. He's <laughs> like, hey, pizza's on the house. Yeah, no, abso- absolutely. And, it, I mean, like, in Civil War, I think 
I don't know. It was interesting because I feel like when I think of Civil War, it's like, hey, there's some bad guys who infiltrated the American government. Um, and it feels like this show is just kind of saying like, hey, the American government might just be bad. You know, it's like almost oh. they're like they're almost taking a step further saying like, hey, the CIA did this. It, it wasn't like, you know, Hydra infiltrated the CIA and then the CIA did this. It's like, hey, the CIA did this and then Hydra did this. Um, so I don't know. It's very it's very interesting. This show has been taking some swings that I didn't expect from an MCU uh anything you know tv show film um they're they're blurring vehicle lines they're blurring lines and i appreciate that more because i didn't know where it was going first episode um and i remember having a conversation um with a friend about you know i don't know what tone they're going to take because cap you know red white and blue stripes represent america and you got sam and and things like that and the new cap and we know we know stuff is going on and what's going to happen, but what's the tone? You know, how are we going to paint um, the nation, right? How are we going to paint America? How are we going to paint the look? Which, it's it, you can't avoid the politics in it um, because you're literally, it's literally America. Like, it's literally referencing, you can't. Like, it's, it's, it's Captain America, right? And it's what happened after Cap is gone and it's what happened with the shield and museum so you you just really can't you can't tell the story without diving into politics and that's the tricky thing about writing the show i imagine is okay how do we talk the political agenda in terms of the marvel world so yeah no what's crazy to me is that um you know they're talking about these things and then you can go to twitter and you will you will you can find people who say i wish they didn't bring race into this Uh. and those people kind of symbolize everything that the show is kind of talking about um, in the sense of it's it's here for it's, you know, to be African-American in America is to, you know, be very conscious of what it means to be black in America, um, you know, and it's just like that unawareness that I think this new Captain America, this John Walker um, doesn't understand. The government clearly who uh, took the shield from Sam and then handed it over to another blonde haired white guy clearly don't understand. Um, You know, it just kind of like hammers home that there are people who are watching this show and be like, I wish it was just an action show. Um, What it's actually trying to say. Darcy, do you have uh, any comments on, you know, just uh, again, everybody has an agenda. Maybe Marvel execs are recognizing we need a or we have an opportunity to platform we have yeah. an opportunity to give our opinion because I, I think it's 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 huge because you know we we saw the original avengers like the the first six right and then there's no really representation anywhere in there right yes and now we're we're seeing more of that diversity that comes in place with like getting extra characters on the side and like it seems like this whole phase four project is going to be diving into um, kind of more superheroes in a different light, you know, in, in different backgrounds and stuff. Because we have uh, Kamala Khan that's going to be coming with C- Captain America, or I'm sorry, with Miss um, Marvel. And we have uh, America Chavez with uh, Miss America. There's So I think Marvel is going to start diving more into some cultural realms. And it's interesting to see them dive into it 
um, in like these mini series and kind of dive really deep into it, you know? And I love like all of these things that you guys are, are pointing out because it is like very eye-opening that like you have this new Captain America that he has a black girlfriend and a black best friend. And of course, like when he's running up onto the stage, he like high fives a black guy. And it's like, they're, they're just like kind of like putting it in your face. Like, yeah, this is America. We, we love this type of community. Like we're here for it. But then like, you know, as long as they're able to talk their talk, because now we're also seeing the dirtier side of it. You see Isaiah, you know, like you see how they treated black cap and you see how like, all of these things and like the bank scene you see like how like so marvel's taking that direction and they're they're trying to go into a way of kind of seeing different cultures and um kind of saying like we're here for you we're there for you um i just can't wait for them to have a hispanic superhero so that i can see some representation um disney has a way with doing it we don't even have a, a latina princess other than um the tv show one Elena. she's official Elena, right we have that but we don't have any movies come on man but you know like, wells got your back he's got your yes, back yes he does in washington heights so we'll see what <laughs> what happens uh in the future with um these these new captain america uh or i'm sorry these new um miss america and see how she's gonna play in there and um, all this fun stuff, but I'm 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 appreciative that some of these conversations are being had, you know, like because we need to see them on TV so that people can have the conversations at home. And, and we... here's the other thing. Here's the other thing to interrupt on purpose. You're, um, go ahead, Admiral. Um, and here's the thing. I think I think what well, just representation is is cool. It's one. It's it's. It's cool to see like somebody um, who looks like you, like don't get me started on what it meant for like nine-year-olds to see like Black Panther and stuff like that. Uh, nine-year-old black, see Black Panthers, Black Panther and stuff like that. Um, and representation is great, but it's also just like, it's so much more interesting to me at least that they're exploring these things and these themes. Um, we've had superhero movies, tons of them, for damn near 20 years now, you know, like the X-Men Spider-Man uh, franchises started in the early 2000s. And then we got the Avengers and this idea of like, you know, telling a continuous story. And then we got a decade of that. I don't want the next decade to just be them continuing, you know, introducing new superheroes um, and then them teaming up in some big battle. Like, don't get me wrong, it'll be cool. I'll probably watch it, it'll be fun. But the fact that they are, you know, uh, take take WandaVision. WandaVision isn't necessarily exploring representation, but it's like taking a different angle on these things. It's trying to uh, explore grief. It's being experimental with its formatting. You know, this one, you know, you can look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and maybe, yeah, it's a little more formulaic with its plotting, but it's exploring some like heavy themes that, yeah. you know, that none of these other superhero movies came close to touching so it's also cool because they have six hours of of you know film that they can use to explore these things if you have these bigger movies like you know dr strange or ant-man they only have two hours to get you know their story across so diving deeper into these like to grief into different cultures and stuff like that in these like longer episodes you know it's, it's really cool to see they are they are making them i don't mean to cut you off but y'all are right it's just we're we're feeling more of the human aspect now 
Um, it's not just mentioned real quickly or focused on one person, but you have time in these shows. WandaVision was a great example. Um, and even now to explore a more human side of these heroes. Um, and I think Bucky is a great example. And Sam is too. And Sam's a, a huge example because Sam doesn't really have powers. Um, traditionally, the Falcon has some kind of power. I think the yeah, Falcon actually uh, communicate with birds or flying parts. I believe. He had, uh, and, Red Wing was an actual Falcon and he had a telepath uh, telepathic connection. Yes. I'm kind of okay with them leaving that out. That's that fine. sounds cool. That's fine. Sounds cool for the comic books. But that's that's driving my that's driving my point of the human element and and where we're going now and, and focusing and highlighting. Okay, hey, these are humans in the blip, especially after the blip. Like, yeah. what happens after the blip? Like, you are you are not this hero anymore. Like that. You yeah, know, it's no. Been, been gone. You are. You're human to, to people. Yeah, one thousand, one thousand percent. I'm coming, I'm coming in hot with uh, my Sam takes. Um, but it is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And this episode, to be honest, is more felt to me more Bucky centric. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's he's dealing a lot with, you know, what it meant to be the Winter Soldier and somebody who killed and murdered tons of people that he has to have like a list of people he feel feels like he needs to make it up to um and then he kind of has to relive that in this episode and it just it kind of feels like you know they're scratching the surface like he has to role play as the winter soldier in this episode and you Him don't have to fight it looked like he was it looked like he was not liking it like, yeah and so just con that. confronting zemo and like that scene um the actor whose name is escaping me right now. Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. You can see it on his face. There's there's a lot of fear when he's like in that room with Zemo and he's like saying the words. Um, and so they're 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 doing a lot with Bucky also. So I I do appreciate more than just all they're doing with Sam. Really appreciate it. It's it's they're a also, good balance. It's yeah, a good they're, balance. They're doing well with this kind of like post traumatic stress. Um, you know, I don't, I don't even know if you can, what to call it, to be honest. I don't know if there's a formal name for what it means to be a winter soldier type character where you wake up every couple years to kill some people and then are put to sleep again and then have to wait until you're woken up again. Um, it seems a very specific, uh, traumatic experience, but. You have to remember too, Bucky is aware of it the whole time. He said it mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, uh, when he was fighting Tony, you know. Uh, Tony was like, you know, do you remember her? And he says, I remember every single one, you know. And that's really sad. That's a that's the sad. Uh, that man needs a lot of therapy. <laughs> he sure does need a lot of therapy. And he keeps breaking rule number two. Oh yeah, he a, really lot of people, a lot of people are getting hurt. Been hurt but, a uh, lot of people. <laughs> but he hasn't killed. I don't think he's killed anybody. But Zemo straight up kills this man Nagel. It's very. Uh, very intense. It feels like they forgave him very quickly. Well, they, they didn't have a choice. They didn't really forgive they, him. They just didn't have yeah. a choice. Yeah. It was, it was like, uh, he killed this man, but it was like, ah, eh, we don't need any more super soldiers running around. It's like a, a win-loss type scenario. Yeah, uh, but in a way, I kind of felt like he was covering something up, you know? Like, yeah, I, I, all right, yeah, you I the same up. Boom, done. Like, I'm muting you. You know, like... <laughs> 
So, and I, I don't know like what to, like how, how I feel about Zemo when it comes to what happens after that, because he kind of like just picks up and, and I thought he was going to run away for sure. Like when he was running on top I thought of he was going to run away too, especially when he put on the mask. Right. That's the so, iconic mask. Yeah, which is in the, the another nod to the comics because it's really cool that, you know, they're bringing all that stuff back. But I thought he was really going to run away and that like, okay, great. We have Zemo that's like out on the run. But here he comes, like, I'm going to save the day. He's like, he shot like this giant tanker that, you know, gave him a little bit of a distraction. He went and picked them up. And, you know, now you have Zemo that is kind of like in, what is that word? The anti-hero? Like he's, he's someone that can't really be trusted, but we need him and. We're just gonna so hire. why did he why did he kill him? That's and my that's new admiral question. He doesn't he doesn't believe in heroes. He doesn't believe in super soldiers. And, and that's true. But is, is it that simple? Or play is it that simple of him just not? And, and by his actions, you can make that you can. That's not a tough thing to allude to. You know, I'm not mad at that because he keeps moving as planned and working with them. He didn't run like you said. You know, he mm -hmm. just got him out, and it could have been like, yeah. I don't agree with this, so I just gave him time to speak. I got him out. But it does feel like there's a piece that we don't know about and that he did not want to get out quite yet. Or at yeah. all. Yeah. It, it's also I have a question. How is it that Zemo knows so much after he's been in prison for so long? Like he goes and he's talking about Magipore as if he was like right over there, like last month you know he's been in prison for what eight years now that unless he's been blipped out unless he's been blipped yeah which we don't have confirmation of that either right so he knows a lot of information and i'm just like how do you keep up with all of that information like does is someone there like you know chismoso like gossiping with you like <laughs> while I'm, you're I'm, I'm gonna assume he's got ties in that prison maybe on the yard if he even gets time out on the yard he's uh talking to people I imagine maybe people are feeding him intel, but uh, yeah, right. yeah, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering what is Zemo's end game, and maybe they'll get in, get into that the the next episode. Not even necessarily end game, and I can't really shouldn't really say end game anymore. That's been end game is too big of a phrase. Nowadays. Yeah, what's yeah, jeez, end goal. End what is goal. his, what is his plans? I don't even need to know his final plans per se. I just kind of want to know what's his motivation. Why is why is he helping these people out at all? Does he want one of those serums? Does he want to just kill all the super soldiers? Um, I'm not too sure. And I just hope they at least hint at it a little more I, in the next episode. I want to say, yeah, the government pulling strings and Zemo and yeah, yeah. Those two things I feel are the biggest mystery going for the show right now. And we're just watching Sam and Buck kind of, you know, react to it all and trying to come out with their own meaning. But we're given a nice little fight sequence, a little gun action, a little playful cop, buddy cop banter. Oh, nothing too crazy. Uh, I didn't think the action was too crazy. The best team definitely probably Bucky in the bar taking down those guys. But uh, we get one more shot of our man John Walker and Lamar Hoskins. Uh, <laughs> I like that, you know, he introduced himself as Lamar Hoskins and he's like, oh, Battlestar. And then Bucky was like, stop the car. Uh, <laughs> they're so cringe. They are very cringe. <laughs> oh, there's no ugh. better way. There's no other word to describe them. They are just, yeah, it's dumb cringe. They kind of seem like wannabes, to be honest. Yeah, uh, wannabes. Well, 
I haven't used that of, phrase in like 10 years, but that's that feels like who they are. Want to be Steve and want to be Buck or want to be Sam. Uh, but I, uh, I think they are about to elude. Uh, I don't know. This man, he's desperate too, as he stated, you know. They went to go see, uh, you know, if they truly broke out Zemo, and they're like, "Oh, they definitely broke out Zemo." Wait, wait, let me stop you. Go ahead. I'm I'm noticing a reoccurring theme of desperation through all the characters. We didn't talk a lot about Carly, which I think oh, no. is a sleeper that, character. That was the next. That, that was well, that was our next point. Not to jump in, and there were some scenes in between the whole thing, but there were everybody's there were. desperate. Yes. Well, I mean, can you blame them? Like. You had five whole years that went by of no one there, and then boom, five years, your population doubles. Mm -hmm. Like, desperate times calls for desperate measures, you know? Yeah, but that's the thing. Um, and we could talk about the Flag Smashers now. You know, yeah. they are portraying them in a light that makes them seem like, you know, they call them Robin Hood-esque in episode one. Mm -hmm. And we see them interacting with people. People are really vibing with them. You know, they're housing them hiding them giving them transport and whatnot and they seem like a i guess a good group of people not necessarily you know bad people uh and i would like to say um they're probably just you know, like morally uh ambiguous at this point but then she goes and blows up all those soldiers wait so she's the one that blew up the building she she blew it up because the the other wow. uh the other one was looking at her and she was like, you know, something like, that's what these people would have done to us or something. So she, yeah, that was her. Yeah, because he's like, hey, there were still people in that building. And she's like, these are the casualties of war type of thing. You know, like, we have to do yeah. what we have to do. Well, she said, like, that's what they do. And I, admit, I guess I had looked away for a second because I didn't realize, I didn't put together that she actually bombed it. So that's funny because now that kind of alters my perspective because I thought it kind of happened like randomly which wouldn't make sense anyway and i thought they were just having a dialect of you know one person like these people were hurt and she's kind of more like they're hurt but at the same time this is what they do they hurt each other so we got to keep moving but now i know that she blew it up so that's interesting to her character give me something to process yeah that's that's the thing i wish i wish i'd gotten a little more of how the world's gotten so much worse yes. i know they're telling us I know they're telling us it's like Watchmen. Like the idea at the end of Watchmen is that they like, is that what they remove like a chunk of the population um, or aliens attack or something like that. Um, it's been a while since I've read Watchmen. Um, but the idea is that, you know, the world rallies behind a huge tragedy, you know? Mm. Um, and so I'm, I guess the idea is that, you know, the world came together after half the population was snapped away and now it's gone back to being bad and i guess they just really haven't shown that i'm not even necessarily sure how you show that um but i think it would help with me being like oh that's why they're doing this this is why the flag smashers exist because it just feels like it's kind of come across through dialogue so mm. I, I, I would say if they could give us a flashback to so we can see their motive and how they were affected. That's the one thing I agree with you, Admiral, uh, as much as I hate to say. Um, give us give us uh, just a flashback of those people uh, who were who survived the snap and 
you know, how did the return really truly impact them to where they're like, man, I need a super soldier serum. I need to, you know, break some bones and liberate some medicine because they're not giving medicine to any of us normal folk. They're just trying to help out. We need we need that connective piece right there to really bridge uh, the disparity that Carly and these people are feeling. Because I feel that's the one thing, the one element they're missing. Because they I, might be holding on to it. Who knows? They, they might be. Uh, I think Who, next episode, give us a flashback. That's what I want. Who was the person that passed away again? Because now that I'm thinking about it, that might have or was sick and they didn't. Mama Yes. Okay. Because um, I'm wondering if Carly started acting drastically after that. Um, I think it, it's kind of one of those things, and it, it reminds me of like real time situations of the hurricane that went and devastated Puerto Rico. And they didn't get any supplies from the U.S. Um, and like you know, you have this nation on a hill type of thing, and there's no supplies being sent over. Nobody's really caring about the little guy, right? And so I think it's somewhat of a similar situation where she sees like in Latvia, Mamadania that's there, and like there's no help for her. There's no medication because you know half the population came back, and now resources are slim, and you have people that are are sick and that aren't getting the proper resources mm -hmm. and there could be people that are just hoarding the resources so um we will just have to see and see what happens like in the in the future when they they start giving her that flashback and see what really is her drive but i do think it is somewhat similar to like she's just looking out for the little people that you know that need that that extra care when some other people are just hoarding it just to hoard it yeah desperation i mean we hear a little dialogue of her wanting to really teach she did not want to become this this <laughs> this figure she's, this she's well she's, past I just wanted to, yeah she's like i you know i thought i was gonna teach that would have been cool um and then goes both of them but you're right you're right the supplies and and not that access I think we're getting a moment of they've been we don't see the backstory, but they've been seeing plenty of people die. And then you go into a building and you see people just port you see them just hoarding supplies. Um and she goes she goes a little extreme with it. So interesting. Interesting to see what happens. And again, they're they're blurring the line really well because it's like, do you support her because she just killed these people? She's you know, her her motives are good, but to what end is she willing to go for those motives? And I mean, same thing could be said about Z Zemo. You can you can make a plenty of parallels actually between a lot of these characters. I and now that I think about, it, I want to say that's intentional on the writer's part. Uh, so it'll be nice to see how this fleshes out. If we get a flashback, I think that'll be great. If we get some uh, interplay between Carly and Zemo, uh, and even this power broker man, uh, again, I think he's they're setting him up to be the big bad. Uh, not really sure what his game is. I mean, the whole episode is titled The Power Broker, so that's got to be count for something. Uh, so I imagine he'll come into play um, in the next couple of episodes and make his big move, whatever that may be. And I, I think we're ready to close up this episode, and mm -hmm. w w they're on their way to see Carly's friend who just passed, right? Yeah, I think so. And uh, it's actually kind of interesting because um, what's his name? Zemo goes and he's like, yeah, it's right over next to the Sokovia Memorial. Have you guys went and visited yet? Ooh, and they're like, yes. Ooh, uh. deep shot, deep shot. He's like, of course you didn't. You know, like, why would you? 
you know, mm -hmm. you're too busy. No, I mean, he, he raises a good point. I mean, like pointed out in uh, Civil War, uh, uh, Alfred Woodard's character told Tony, you know, it's like y'all kind of just did your thing and dipped. Yeah, y'all don't even bother to pick up the rubble. Uh, yeah. You know, and yeah, so Zemo still feeling some type of way, rightfully so. Right. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> what a way to end an episode because the moment he picked up one of them, I feel like I knew what was going on. I, I knew. And the show, and I, I feel Marvel in general does a good job at dropping little uh, foreshadow and then just kind of hitting you upside the head with Mjolnir, you know? Because that's what this felt like to me. And I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to feel like this upon watching it or having already watched it. Uh, man, oh man. Uh, we get Io. Io. And they get the music too. They get the music too. And for <laughs> yeah. those who don't know, Io, awesome. Io is one of the Dora Milaje, the King's Guard to King T'Challa. And, you know, Bucky, you know, he's like, uh, I was wondering when y'all pop up. And she says, in 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 Wakandan, or uh, I believe the language they use is uh, Joa, if I pronounce it, is X-H-O-S-A. I'm here for Zemo. And I don't remember if you remember this interaction between her and Black Widow. She said, you know, uh, move before I make you move. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm excited to see because they're not just going to let her take Zemo, but Wakanda remembers, okay? Yes. Wakanda remembers, and Wakanda is here. And I think this show just took it up a huge level right there as far oh, as... Yeah. Uh, interconnection. Interconnection, man. Because mm -hmm. I was not expecting any Wakanda. I know in our last podcast episode, Ray was mentioning, uh, uh, and Toasty, they were mentioning, uh, Wakanda is the only people who could probably revive Red Wing. But they ain't here for <laughs> they're right. not here for Red Wing. They're here for some blood. And what's what's interesting too is I, I'm pretty sure it was announced that they're going to be making a Wakanda TV show, kind of they like are. diving they deep are. into the lives of Wakandans. And I think this is all going to kind of put together a storyline that's going to make sense for. I don't know if it's going to be a recasting or what they're going to do for the next update. They're not. They're not recasting. They have they're come not, out and said okay. that. So Ryan Coogler and Kevin Feige, they're not recasting Chadwick So the next step is that they're going to be taking for BP2, I think this is going to kind of lead into it and maybe give us a, a little bit of a, a sneak peek of at least the Wakanda TV show and maybe, you know, what the next steps is for BP2. And I'm excited because I freaking love Black Panther. That was one, that's still my favorite Marvel movie. Oh, that's your favorite? That's my favorite because going in and seeing that whole Wakanda, the whole town, and how everything is so Texas, it was awesome. It was just yeah, yeah. I'll double down there. Was, I think it's the city building is amazing. I the, think it's my my favorite MCU. I think. Oh man, okay. uh -oh. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. That's another discussion. We can. That's all right, let's later. go. Let's do this. Let's, no, let's number one. As well. So go. Well, uh, oh, Black Black Panther's probably one. I mean. Endgame is up there, and maybe the first Guardians of the Galaxy for me. Um, oh. That's okay. probably that's probably like my top three. I, I off the I, top of my head. I, I told Dr. Jace we should do a whole episode just 
kind of ranking these films. Um, yeah, because I think we can go a whole hour on ranking these films. So oh, yeah. Be careful what can of worms you open up right and now. We have different takes on different things. I, I will say, uh, as Rose, you were mentioning, I think you were about to get into the city and the the whole aesthetic of it all. That's what I wanted more from the film. Uh, so with a show, and here we are talking about the show now. Uh, give me more of the city. Give me how the city life is. But I think relating it back to Falcon and Winter Soldier, I'm sure Io is going to kind of come in and let them know how Wakanda was affected by the blip in, in the five-year span. Yeah. And I have two questions regarding that. Go ahead. Um, first question. Question one. Um, do you think they're going to touch upon... Uh, Bucky's time in Wakanda. Yes. Without okay. Definitely. They're hinting to it okay. all over. The place. They were I mean, calling it off with the white wolf. The white wolf. It was yeah, that where that's the joke where what uh, Sam is like, oh, you were the white something or the white, white cat panther. or something. White panther. Yeah. Is, uh, the white panther. Yes. <laughs> okay. Like, I just not? want. I wanted to make sure it's going to be more than just like, hey, we're after uh, Zemo, um, and then not to like just gloss over that that something happened in Wakanda. Um, and then also, question two, um, do you think they're either going to touch upon Black Panther no longer being around? Mm. Or are they going to save that for, for the movie? This show, uh, in production, I believe they finished before um, Chadwick's passing. Mm. So. Oh, really? Okay, yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. So they, yeah. they won't even have the choice, is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm. I'm okay. pretty sure they were in post production when he passed. So, okay. uh, um, sh- God, we might see Chadwick on the show. Can you imagine? No, absolutely. That not. would be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That would be. That would be. Wild. I don't think I'd be ready for that. that. I, yeah. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Could be a thing. Probably not. Could be. It's a like. Thing. Uh, what what was it? The um Star Wars um. Oh yeah. The Star Wars size uh, cameo. No, 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 no. The movie, the movie. Well, yes, the but Fisher, she passed, and he still had her long. Oh, no, no, no. The uh, Ro- what was it? Rogue One. It's like uh, the um, the guy was no longer with us. The uh, the admiral on the ship. I think it was Rogue One. Uh, the guy who talks to Vader. Oh, uh, you're talking about um, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes, yes. He and shows they, up. Uh, they digitized. They did. They digitized. Uh, on another act no they're not gonna no they won't do that that. no no i know i'm just saying like it'll be weird to see like somebody who's no longer with us without a warning you know that's all yeah like i I agree because i think i don't think they're just gonna drop chadwick scenes in there i think they would have probably like done some editing out and to fix the storyline to not include him because this is like a big a big deal you know like or at least prepped us like gave us a warning like no, I don't think so. I think I don't well, think it's you know, gonna pop up middle of a of a TV series without kind of doing an announcement to. No, why would they announce that a show called The Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Black Panther? I don't, Panthers know. I don't, I don't think. I think respect. Yeah, you know? I think like, it would be a little jarring for for everybody and I probably think. children. Make sure it's tasteful. His whatever announcement that they're gonna do for it, it has to be tasteful, and I don't I, think this is the best way to do it. Just, hey, it's Black Panther. 
Right. He's First, here. I, I imagine, I imagine, and here I am now, I got a lot of ideas in my head because there have been comics where uh, Cap in the past during World War II met a former king of Wakanda. Maybe they might do that with Isaiah. Maybe Isaiah's met T'Chaka before, you know? So that's where my head is now. But of course, if if he filmed any scenes, I don't think they're going to get rid of it. They will follow up with a press conference or a press release uh, talking about the inclusion of him being in the series. They're really good at covering up their own ass uh, like that. Uh, yes, I can imagine that Tears will probably uh, roll for people, of course. But, uh, you know, he's, he's done. He's got projects that have not come out yet for Marvel. Uh, for example, he's in, uh, he voiced himself in uh, the what next. If? Yeah, What If. What yeah. If. Which is uh, actually a pretty cool story. It's uh, What If uh, the Ravagers picked up T'Challa versus Star-Lord. And... Yeah. T'Challa becomes Star Lord, so that's cool. But um I don't know. I I would be so hyped if he popped up on screen. But granted, he's that's not his story anymore. He's past revenge, you know? Right, yeah. So Which I want to say that revenge just out of all out fun character and I think that one one of the best inclusions for me personally is when T'Challa Black Panther came on the scene second half of Civil War and he was wrecking stuff. And I loved every moment of it. I don't care what you think about it. I so it's to this day, I think his character in that movie was a better character than even he was in his own standalone Black Panther movie, which is another conversation in itself. Um, which I love the Black Panther movie, but the Civil War Black Panther we got, even though it was a revenge plot and everything like that. I actually enjoyed that character more than even he was in his own standalone movie, which he still did great in. Um, and just rest in peace, Chad. I just want to say what amazing yeah. as him. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just tough. It's just obviously way too soon, and it's just tricky for for everybody trying to do the project. But um, Ryan Coogler and, and, and its team, and there's a lot of potential there. And, and I just hope they. I hope they continue to be respectful about it. So, um, and they will have to, or, or they will hear from us anyway. So, <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think overall we can say this show has just dropped a bomb, and I think uh, we can also. I correct me if I'm wrong, especially you, Admiral. I think we're all gonna we're looking forward to the next episode and what more the show has to offer because I think. Uh, these next three episodes are going to bring a lot of these pieces together. So, oh, we didn't mention well, the dialect between Bucky and the uh, between the shield of Bucky ah, and Sam, which we won't have. I don't. We don't have much so much time to. But I thought that was really cool. That, no, no, that, no. that conversation too. No, no, you're you're absolutely right because that is straight uh, allusion to you know Bucky took up the mantle before in the comics. That's straight up what they're alluding with that. You know, he's like Sam, if you won't do it, I'll do it. And and Sharon kind of mentions that okay, Sam, I understand you not taking up this symbol because what does it represent? Like, you know, it's false in a sense. 
Um, yeah. So they touch on it a couple times within the episode. Yeah, before we move on, uh, just like talking, I'll, I'll wrap up here. I'll wrap up my <laughs> thoughts on the episode. Sure. Um, yes, I'll get on my soapbox here. Um, yeah, just like, I guess something I've been kind of talking about uh, this entire episode is that this this story, this TV show, and I didn't even know it was only six episodes, so hopefully they're able to tie this with a nice little bow in the next three um i think it just needs to be the story of sam becoming captain america you know i think i think captain america steve rogers has always been who we who we think america should be you know the red white and blue fighting for freedom and that thought has always been you know, it's always been the the Chris Evans of the world. It's been blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, built. Um, it's always it's always been that. You know, um, it's always been the Chris Evans of the world, um, and that's what we kind of kind of who we think America is. That's kind of like the representation of who America is. But since America was like kind of this experiment was started, since the idea of America was started, you know. We were built on 200 years of unpaid labor. Um, you know, a lot of the decisions in our government were, and a lot of like, you know, uh, laws that were put in place were based on marginalizing African-Americans. Um, you know, I think American culture owes so much to black, black people, black Americans, uh, so much is like, been birthed from you know just black innovators and black artists and so you know american history has it's always american history it's african-american history you know but sometimes for a lot of black people it doesn't feel that way and it just yeah. kind of feels like i kind of see that in sam i kind of see that when it became time for him to step up to the plate and be quote-unquote the american symbol he couldn't do it because like he had spent his whole life being marginalized he had always been you know african-american first before even being like a superhero um so i just hope this this story and this tv show is him coming to realize is like no i am american as much as steve rogers is right and to be honest i am the new symbol for what we should strive for and yeah. that's my admiral take Good point. I like that. Thank you. Thank Actually, you, that's a, I think that was a pretty good, Admiral. You must be a writer in your other life, huh? Possibly. But you guys better not just be saying that because you're pirates and I'm on board. So <laughs> Again, to us. Us, as, us as Yonko and Supernovas can respect the opposition. We can acknowledge the opposition. And on that note, I'm going to... Get off my soapbox and join you guys back at the table. Okay, so I'm back. All right. Come <laughs> well, yeah, that goes ahead and wraps up uh, episode three of Found Noisy Table. It's a really noisy table. Not a really noisy. Uh, you okay over there? It's a noisy soapbox. A noisy soapbox. <laughs> oh. <laughs> a couple, a couple steps. Had to down. 
no worries we're okay we're okay but um before we uh close out things on this whole episode of ours uh we have a couple of grand line tales we'll just do some uh hot takes on them everyone can go around and say how they feel about this if you don't have an opinion we can enlighten you a little bit and we can move forward from there so without further ado the grand line tales i think there wasn't much going on this weekend or this week uh, I, I would like to say the biggest thing um obi-wan kenobi show uh for all star wars fans out there begins production relatively soon uh they just dropped the cast list uh they haven't said who most characters play but there are familiar faces on there and let me say uh, they've been doing a really good job lately with um their cast as far as uh diversifying it's really nice to see um just to throw some names out there, let me uh, shout out some names for y'all. You got, of course, Ewan McGregor coming back as Obi-Wan. Hayden Christensen coming back as Darth Vader, which is super cool. Um, that was probably the coolest thing for me that was ever announced. That's been announced for a while. Uh, they got Joel Edgerton and uh, Bonnie PC coming back as Uncle Owen and Aunt Rue last seen in Star Wars Episode Five. But Here's some other names that uh might uh throw you for a loop. We got O'Shea Jackson, aka uh Ice Cube Jr. Uh don't know what <laughs> don't know what he's gonna be doing on there, but I think that's pretty cool to see his name. We got uh my boy Han from the Fast and Furious. Uh I believe is uh Sung Kong. Oh gosh. Uh this thing if it will load. Oh, there it goes. Let me see. Uh yeah, your boy Sung Kang from Fast and Furious franchise, known for Han. Uh, we got uh, Kumail uh, Nanjani. Oh gosh, I'm butchering. This is terrible. Oh, Kumail Nanjani. Yeah, yeah, we're trying. We're trying. Uh, if you know about him from the hit HBO show Silicon Valley, he's also going to appear in the MCU and Marvel's The Eternals, standing uh, with uh, Angelina Jolie and Richard Madden. Uh, we got uh, for our Game of Thrones fans, Indira Varma who was uh what's his name uh the the viper the red viper's wife on uh game of thrones alaria sand you know she uh wanted to kill the little lannister girl she gave her the kiss uh oh well sorry Jalen. you i know you uh bounced around uh game of thrones you may might have missed that part uh but uh yeah um there's some other people on this oh, cast eight seasons oh yes he he did a whole youtube uh, watch i'm sure some people listening are going to be upset about that um i like the cast very diverse i like where it's going i have no idea where it's going but i'm here for it uh, when is this uh taking place this is taking place between four and three so anakin's hayden christensen's coming back as a burnt course as a burnt course yes and i guess he's donning the suit it clearly it won't be his voice. I I don't even know if James Earl Jones will be up for uh, coming back to do the voice, but Hayden Christensen I guess will be in the suit. Maybe we'll get some shots of him minus the helmet, uh, possibly. That's the only <laughs> or some flashbacks maybe. Who knows? Who knows how they're gonna go about this? Uh, yeah, I'll just I'll just say that um I thought Obi Wan after you know uh. After Mustafar um, kind of just chilled on Tatooine forever, um, never left and just waited for Luke to grow up. 
Um, so, uh, you know, it's kind of like playing with my what my what I think the Star Wars story is. So that's always interesting. If they do it well, then I'll just be like, whatever. But if the idea of just Obi-Wan Kenobi just being a hermit for however long Luke takes to grow up um, is the better story, is like the the quote-unquote canon story they should have stuck with, then I will be disappointed that they released this. So That's fair. That's fair. Rose, uh, I know you're an avid Star Wars fan. Uh, Avid's strong, but I am familiar with it. I have kept up with it. Um, no, I think it's cool. I'm definitely going to tune in. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody about this who's actually a really avid Star Wars fan. And I said, you know, the universe and the world itself is big. You're not going to do that. But, man, when, we're not... The movies weren't that great. But The Mandalorian was, was, was good. And they have an opportunity with these shows to tell a better story and now they're going in between and they're going all over you know all over the place with what they do but i do have i think it's gonna i think it has potential to be good i think there are t- putting time into kind of reviving solid ish you know star wars universe and not just the lore of the world but actually like a solid story that you can actually look to and not scratch your head at and wonder you know why people get so powerful and um, how people resurrect themselves and never die. I don't, I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go in for days on that uh, uh, lack of a better term, BS resurrection. Um, Dars, as a f- you're, you, you're well versed in Star Wars. I, you yeah. don't talk about it much. How do you feel? So, um, I, I do love the fact that Star Wars kind of jumps back and forth between timelines, like we start off with episodes four, five, and six, then they jump back to one, two, and three. We have, you know, a couple of these in-betweeners with Rogue One and Han Solo and stuff like that. So it's, uh, I'm kind of excited to see it, but I think what I'm going to be most excited about is kind of seeing more Vader. You know, like, we, I, I remember growing up thinking Vader was like such this this huge menacing character that like he walks into a room and everyone is like wetting themselves you know because it's like oh my gosh vader's here you know and re-watching it as an adult and seeing like some of vader's fight scenes i'm like oh my gosh this guy is so stiff like he can't move he's not that menacing <laughs> but i want to see like more of a vader be like kind of like and hopefully we'll see more of vader in this obi-wan um tv show but i want to see more of vader like kind of like being this scary dude and so hopefully we can see some of that we can see you know obi-wan kind of i don't want to see like eight hours of obi-wan being on a farm so i hope we see like some some deeper stuff in there i think i think you are saying you want the vader that was portrayed at the end of rogue one exactly that one. okay yeah uh, i think i think they will capitalize on the success of that one scene that was probably the greatest sure. scene of that and that and that's like what 17 years later however old luke is because that's like right before episode four like we're gonna Mm -hmm. i guess we don't know when this one is taking place we just know it's in between four and five they told us it's 10 years after revenge of the sith okay well so so it's like a good amount of time it's probably a chunk before rogue one years of age yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. seven more years till rogue one yeah yeah okay well 
Got some Vader of... could still be super cool then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, I mean, his whole body's like mechanical, but he's got some, <laughs> I don't know. He's got some uh, movement left in him, I think. Yeah, I'll just say oh, that um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see like, it'll be interesting to see like what 10 years into the Empire looks like um, in terms of like the world of Star Wars. That'll be interesting. Yes, I agree. Um, moving on, uh, let's go ahead. And not many people have talked about this. Um, I think it's worth talking about the Powerpuff Girls live action series. Um, CW has greenlit it since uh, last August, and they're shooting for. They're about to shoot the pilot soon. They're working out the cast. Uh, some familiar faces, if you know uh, Agents of Shield fame. Uh, Chloe Bennett is going to be Blossom. Uh, and uh, for all those, uh, I, I guess, millennials, not, no, I guess we're millennials, those young people, Gen Z or whatever, uh, Dove Cameron of Disney Channel fame is going to be, I believe, uh, Bubbles. And I forget the actress who's playing uh, Buttercup, but uh, um, Buttercup, I believe she's um, black. Yana? Yana, I think. Or... Yeah, is that is that her name? Check. but uh she's, she's they, black no i could see yes. them making buttercup the black girl yes uh, is that as a is that a shot yeah uh, i mean that's i'm just kidding that's well, I, I mean as far as the casting goes the rough exterior um edgy edgy one has to be black yeah i mean uh, they made one of them black so i guess they deserve a, a small pat on the back well chloe chloe bennett is of asian descent uh, so I guess they're diversifying their cast. I mean, they're sugar spice and everything nice. You kind of have to in 2021, or else you're gonna get you're gonna hear it on Twitter. Um, but it's cool, you know. I definitely think it's cooler than uh, the alternative. So uh, I think the most interesting part of this series, however, is that these girls are clearly adults. So I believe they're playing uh, either high school to college age Powerpuff Girls, and I feel you could do a lot with that. However, I think it's really weird and cool at the same time. I would never expect a live-action Powerpuff Girls ever. Um, not to mention, I don't know what they're going to do as far as the Powerpuff Girls don't have noses, uh, fingers, uh, toes. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. It's a CW series, right? It is a CW series. I don't have that high of hopes. No. Yeah. Wait, hold on. What are you talking about? They don't have noses and toes it's gonna be like it's gonna be <laughs> riverdale it's just gonna be it's gonna be like it's they're not gonna remove any body parts it's just gonna be um you know it's gonna be it's gonna be slightly i mean i, I don't know how far they're gonna go i don't know if they're gonna be born from like a weird experiment of sugar spice and everything nice but you know they're just gonna they're just gonna riff off of the kind of foundation of what Powerpuff Girls were. They're what not gonna, I, they're not gonna be beholden to not having noses. I, I don't. I, I thought it would be funny if they try to give them little nubs for hands in a live action series. That, that's oh, what my, my no, is. no, no. <clears throat> yeah. If you guys have seen the, uh, the Fate series, the or I'm sorry, the Winx series that's over on uh, Netflix. That used to be an animated TV show. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. Winx, insane. Winx yeah. I think they're going to be doing oh. kind of a similar thing with the Powerpuff Girls, where it's like, you know, 
we're teenagers, but we also have powers and Riverdale drama type stuff. Because Greg Brody, you're heading this. I'm just this. worried about the CW, um, the CW format. Is what they I do. always do. 22 episodes, and there's three real episodes in there, and the rest are just filler episodes, that type of and format. And just the tone. I mean, not everyone is, but you know the formula that CW and the tone that they, they have with things. And not to knock it, it's um you know it's it's a style and a lot of people do enjoy it and it, you know I know a lot of the Arrowverse is really big and, and things like that, um but yeah Riverdale for me I'm not a real fan of Riverdale um, in the style and I'm not a fan of what that show was Gotham and they had Gotham out that, that's uh, Fox that's Fox. I haven't that's Fox. okay my apologies so I take that back but still I, um, yeah, yeah I'm with uh I'm with Rose the Crafter I haven't watched a River uh, excuse me a CW show since it was what was it before? WB38? Is that right? Well, Tampa Natives. Tampa Natives, no. Uh, yeah. Yes. No, I haven't. I haven't. Maybe uh, Smallville. Um, I watched a season of Smallville, maybe. Um, I'm with uh, Rose Crafter. I don't think the CW is for me. I know it's. Uh, it has an audience. Um, it just might not be for me, so... And I may be wrong. I hope it. I hope it goes well because I love the Powerpuff. You know, I watched it growing up. It's cool, but hope it goes well. Um, it's interesting to see what they do with a lot of these characters. Though you're right. Um, you know, uh, Mojo Jojo, all of them, like all the character stuff. What's what's gonna happen with? How are we gonna do this? That's the thing. Yeah. I might not watch one single episode, but I'm still slightly interested. I may do a Google search and see like how they pull off whatever mojo jojo's character is whatever him is in um yeah in 2021 banjo yeah, what is him. his name banjo him. oh uh fuzzy lumpkins fuzzy lumpkins uh, i mean cause, yeah him is a whole i don't even know how him. to describe him. him 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 was way before way ahead of his time yeah <laughs> yes ahead of the time yeah I mean, I, he was, I'm in it for the villains, to be honest with you. Whatever I'm, here for the villains, yeah. watch, I'm gonna watch it for the villains. I think that's fair. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I him, it's not like one villain for the whole season. You know, like I hope they. Oh, like villains here and there. Well, see, that's that's that CW formula, though. They do the one villain, kind of make it stretch. That's uh, the thing. That's that is that is the problem. If it goes the CW formula. Yeah, I'm not watching one episode. But if it actually leans into everything that Powerpuff Girls is, just like ultra violent, and like Buttercup is like, I don't know, beating the snot out of characters um, every they episode. Beat up the rowdy, rowdy rough boys. Yeah, you know, if they're like, if they're actually like destroying these people and like sending people through buildings, hey, I will tune in. Um, yeah. I I might tune in. <laughs> I have a way better chance if it's like that rather than like a high school drama that features, you know. Yes. Uh, do, do not give us the high school drama. A guy yeah. with a monkey named Mojo. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, uh, maybe their classmate Jojo turns himself into a monkey, and or uh, he gorilla paws or something. They could very much do a modern take, but no, I think major Powerpuff Girl fans are going to want, you know, just bring the Powerpuff Girls into the modern age, but keep it, you know, Powerpuff Girls. Don't I never to. want to see Miss Velma. Miss Bellum. Is that 
Miss Bellum. Miss Bellum. Never want to see her face. face. Never want to see her face. If I see her face, that show's dead to me. Okay. That's fair. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Stay true to the character. Never saw her face except when she turned into a dog. That's all right. That's all right. Well, gentlemen, I think that wraps up our Grand Lion Tales uh, for this evening. Uh, We covered a lot. Took a nice, good good portion to cover in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, Talked about Star Wars and Obi-Wan and Powerpuff Girls. Uh, I think we're good to go here. Is everybody everybody feeling okay about um, everything we talked about today? Any final thoughts? Let's go around the room. Dars, any closing thoughts for everybody listening? Um, My closing thought is that if you are into Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's just starting to heat up. So keep on into it. Keep watching it. Um, it's going to get way better, especially with that new uh, little Easter egg that we got at the very end of the episode. So keep watching it um, and then keep on listening to our breakdown of it because this is we're diving into some pretty cool, deeper things in here. Yes, I agree. I agree. Rose the Crafter. Yeah, I think if you're already in the Marvel world and already in the Disney world, uh, keep keep looking at this stuff because no matter how i think it's going well honestly you know you know everybody's looking for the perfect show but they're trying things here um and that's something i can give them credit for and so i'm enjoying diving into these series and watching them i'm not even a big tv watcher like that nowadays and i've been hooked on seeing what the story is and the lore of it is so i think the payoff is 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 has been decent and i think the themes that are there and that we're covering whether they know it or not, um, it's really the big thing that intrigues me about these particular show lines. So, Well said, well said. Um, I don't want to just like pass it to you, but... So I'll just take it. I will just (laughs) take it. Um, Yes, no, I will echo things Rose the Crafter was saying and just say that, you know, this show so easily could have just been a cool buddy cop show between our friends, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But, you know, similar to what WandaVision could have been, actually, I don't don't even know what the easy version of WandaVision would have been. But anyways, you know, they are trying things. They aren't just taking the easy route where they just said like, yeah, it'll be a spy thriller between these two cool characters, you know. They are, they're going, they're going deep. They are exploring uh, heavy topics of race. They're exploring heavy topics of post-traumatic stress disorder with uh, the Winter Soldier. So I think you really gotta applaud what they're, what pretty much the MCU is doing with. I mean, they're two for two where they're just not taking the easy route. So I think these TV shows in general should be applauded for what they're trying. And the last thing I'll say, an order from the Navy, the order from the world government to all the listeners is to rate, review, and subscribe. It is very helpful for podcasters to become more visible. You know, we want this podcast to pop up when somebody's searching Winter Soldier, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on, you know, these different, uh, you know, podcast apps. So when you rate, review, subscribe, it just helps them become more visible and more likely to be found in searches. So every little thing you can do is helpful. So order of the world government coming from uh, Admiral Hooperlino is to rate, review and subscribe. Wow. Uh, wasn't expecting that from you, Admiral. Uh, 
I'm unpredictable. Unpredictable. We appreciate it. We appreciate it here at the Yonko table. Well, he said it best. Like, review, subscribe. We appreciate it. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Hooperlino, Rose the Crafter, and Dars, and myself, Grandmaster Hoop, signing out. See you next time.